Welcome to A Better Way with Real Estate, a podcast series hosted by real estate investor, Brian O'Neill. During each episode, we'll give practical advice for individuals and families navigating the many hurdles in the home buying and selling process. There is a better way with real estate that supports the goals and needs of your family, and we're here to help. Listen along as we help families like yours, one home at a time. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of A Better Way with Real Estate. Today, I'm honored to have Felicia Fro as our guest. She is the owner of Money with Mission, an investment company focused on empowering professional women to build wealth and achieve financial freedom through social impact investing. As a real estate syndicator, Felicia has partnered with like-minded investors and has raised money for several social impact projects including a residential assisted living home in Kansas City, Missouri, focusing on providing elderly residents experiencing memory problems with personalized care. With her partners at the Echo Alliance Group, she is providing healthy food-to-food desert areas with indoor vertical farms and grocery stores. In addition to real estate investing, Dr. Fro is a licensed urological surgeon with over 20 years of experience. She has written many best-selling books, including How to Create Wealth That Outlives You. She's an advocate for sharing the great work others are doing for their community through her Money with Mission podcast. Felicia, thank you for being here and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Hey, Brian, thank you. I was like, who is that person he's talking about? That's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's, like, it's weird to hear hear what you do and have done from somebody else's mouth. You know, it's just like, I'm just doing my thing. You're just doing your thing. Well, let's talk <laughs> about doing your thing because um, this wasn't always your thing. That's right. And as, as, as uh, in that opening, we talked <laughs> about like you were a doctor. Or you still are a doctor, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. And you don't really hear, at least I haven't heard too many times where a doctor shifts and go and moves to to real estate investing. So maybe talk a little bit about, you know, was there any motivation behind that? I mean, what was the decision to to move to where you are now as a you know as a doctor? Yeah, that that's um there are a lot of people who have who find that very, very interesting that a physician, you're a doctor. What do you mean? And there's a few of us out there who realize that medicine is an a trade your time for money proposition. Okay. Hmm. And so you got to go to work to make money, just like everybody else. If you work in a gas station, you got to go to work to make money. If you work in a um, if you're a hedge fund guy, you got to go to go to work to make money. Same thing with being a doctor, lawyers. And some time ago, I read um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It was given to me by a business owner. Um, And I read that and it was just an eye opener to me on how people, how you can make money. So it's an eye opener on money in general, actually, because that's not something we ever really talked about in my family. We just knew you had to have it to do things, but we really didn't talk about it and how you use it and how, how you get it. And that book showed me the different ways you can get money, different categories of money and ways you can not have to be going to a job and trade your time for money every day. So that's how that started. That started, I don't know, five years into being a urologist. And it was just that much of an eye opener that it it took me a while, but now I'm very, very much into real estate. And it took me a while to get to the social impact side, which is really where my home is. 
Yeah, we're going to definitely talk about that. And you know, it's amazing what that book has done. You talk to mostly anybody who gets in real estate, like that was the first book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It it was for me too. And I remember reading it and it was just, I had this overwhelming thought, like why why wasn't I handed this book much earlier in my life? Yeah. You know, that's how radical the thinking was. And and, um, so after that, did you, how long did it take you before you started investing? And, And maybe- just chat about your first because we haven't talked about it. Like, what, what yeah. did your first deal look like? We so I read the book. We bought mm-hmm. the game Cashflow One Hundred and One, which also yeah. goes with the book. We played that game for probably a couple years, and then um, we bought our first property. And how that went was, as a physician, I have patients, and I had this one woman who would come in, and she was relatively young, and not not relatively young. She was young and she could come anytime. And she just seemed really happy. And we just started talking about what does she do? And she said, she does real estate investing. And we talk about that off and on when she would come in for appointments. We, my husband and I at that time, were talking about getting into real estate and buying our first property and doing some things like that. I felt mm-hmm. overwhelmed with my own practice. And so didn't know how that was going to work. But anyway, this house came up and Jamie, who was the patient that I had, I called her and said, would you go look at this with me? We went, we looked at the property. She walked it with me. We were there with the realtor. She said, look, if you don't buy this house, I'm going to buy it. If you buy it and I'll let you use my crew to rehab it. If you buy it, rehab it and can't rent it, I'll buy it from you. I was like, okay, well, that sounds like, how could I go wrong with that deal? You're going to make me whole if everything goes to, goes crazy. And crazy enough, that was about, I don't even remember what year that was. It was in the 2000s, but it was an assumable loan, a VA assumable loan where I only had to put $500 down. So my my biggest expense upfront was going to be rehabbing it. So we did that deal. It went fine. And within two years, we had 18 properties and we're in various stages of rehabbing them when the 2008 economic downturn, real estate, whatever we call it these days happened. Mm -hmm. And um, we fought real hard to keep everything. It's just costing a lot of money. We were, had, were out of state at that point. And um, ultimately, we ended up losing all those things. Or actually, we stopped paying for them, which meant we lose them. Yes, it was a hard decision to make. Yeah, I, could, I, I, I didn't know that about you. And I could certainly see how that would be an extremely difficult decision. And you continue to persevere because you're still in real <laughs> estate now. So what was what was the mindset like to get like a, Hey, I just lost these nine, 19 properties. Did you, was it, was it a quick transition to just pick up and, and continue or, or, or maybe talk about that? Cause that, that, that can be a blow to your, to your, to your, to your mindset. It was a huge blow to everything. Yeah. So it was like, felt like the very bottom of everything. And I, it cost up my marriage. It cost, we were living in Hawaii at that time. It cost me living in Hawaii. It, it was, it was big. But I think that I never really thought that real estate was the problem. I, I never, I don't remember ever thinking never real estate again. I never thought that. It was mm-hmm. more like, shoot, we did some stupid stuff here. And you could kind of look at it and figure out what the dumb stuff was as you, we just grew too fast. There was a lot of, there were a lot of issues. So it was more of, let's get this cleaned up so I can get back in. Once, once everything was kind of settled, all the emotional upheaval because it, it's I can't say it wasn't emotional. It was very emotional. I don't quit things very often. And that was the thing I quit and walked away from and yeah. had to deal with the consequences of that. Well so, you took ownership of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. you have to. You have. I mean, yeah. you have to. And we we did what we did, and then um, I tried to figure out how am I going to come back into real estate because I had, you know, imagine all those houses were leveraged. So there's I have no credit score now. Hmm. Everything is just really ugly. I, what do I have to make money? I have my medical license. I'm a physician. Okay, let's let's go. So I was looking for a new job because I couldn't. The job at Hawaii wasn't going to let me do what I needed to do. The practice in Hawaii. So hmm. found a practice in California that was they really needed doctors. They were paying a huge signing bonus, and they pay they were paying me a regular salary. So picked up, moved to California. With the signing bonus, I was able to buy four houses in Midwest, rehab them back in the game. And that's where we started doing things differently, had management, just just really looked at it a lot differently. Right. Because of that lesson that you learned uh, for yep. the 19 houses. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you managed to get uh, back in the game with, you know, your credit being damaged. But <laughs> you, you, you went over that. So you yep. just you, you persevered and you, and you found a way. Yeah, that's great. So. Social impact investing. This is something that you're big on. Um, I, I, I don't know if a lot of people know what that what that means. So, in in, in your words, so what what do what do we what do we mean when we're saying social impact investing? So, for money with mission, we want to use every dollar. We leverage every dollar we get to invest to improve communities and bring our investors a financial return. So, you know, a lot of people think about investing and only making the money with investing. I think most people who make money ultimately get to charitable uh, donations. I want to think about all of it as investing and all of it as getting a return. For some things you invest in, if you invest in a charity, it's an investment and you expect a return. Whether it's not necessarily a financial return, but you expect that charity to do something with your money to make something better. We're just putting them together so that you can have an impact and get a return. So that's that's how we're doing it here at Money with Mission. And there's there's a lot of things that you can do. Can you talk about some of the different we highlighted a little bit in the in, yeah. in the intro there, but what are some of the asset classes that you're investing in? What is the social impact? Yeah. So I, I think that almost everything that investors invest in or sponsors or general partners invest in can be looked at as having a social impact. So this is, we don't invest in multifamily, but if you think about somebody investing in multifamily, which is apartment buildings, the people that I know are going to buy an apartment complex with their investors. They're going to fix it up, make it nicer for the people that live there, which thereby makes everybody else's life better, right? right. So it, it brings up the rents. It makes the people that live there feel more pride in where they live. Um, as long as we're not raising rents high enough to make people not be able to live there, which most of the people that I speak with do not do that. There are people out there that do that, but most that I am friends with do not do that. So that's an impact. It's, it is direct, but it's not necessarily their whole motivation for doing it. Does that make sense? <clears throat> for Money with Mission, we do things like the assisted living project where we're helping somebody buy a building that they want to put a small residential assisted living home into, um, which is going to have a social impact for elderly. But if you look beyond that, it's the impact to their families. These people who've been taking care of their mom, dad, and are just getting burned out and need someplace. And the homes that we have, the homes that we invest in are we give, when you walk into it, it feels like a home. It doesn't feel like an institution or facility. So 
for me, I have, I'm taking care of my mom for, I would want my mom to be in a place that looked and felt like a home, not a facility. So that's how I look at that one as an impact for the elderly person to be in a community and for the family to be able to not worry and feel guilty about not being able to take care of their loved one by themselves. The other thing we're doing is we, uh, another thing that's really near and dear to my heart is food and health. Um, and people don't realize, and we're working really hard here in Tulsa, Oklahoma to get the word out that food is health and what you eat really does make a difference. Um, I think being in California, I thought everybody knew that, but it, so there's a lot of people who don't realize that what you oh. eat really matters to your life. So Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, North Tulsa, Oklahoma, hadn't had a grocery store in over 10 years, a full service grocery store. So Eco Alliance, our company, um, just put the first grocery store here and it's been, it was in May this year that we opened, May 2021 that we opened. So it's the first full service grocery store. Um, before that, there was fast food, there were dollar stores, there were um, quick trip. I think in my in my in two blocks of where the grocery store is, there are ten or ten to twelve fast food restaurants. Uh, so it 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 was it's crazy, and we believe that at least part of the reason that North Tulsans have an eleven year less life expectancy than the rest of Tulsa is due to lack of access to good food. So oh, got, I would completely agree. That's amazing. But the, how how far <laughs> would people have to go to get their food? I mean, if they chose to, if they chose to, I'm I'm not sure. But it was yeah. it's bus rides. So you're mm. going to Walmart. You're going to um, there's a there's a store, a grocery store, not too far from here. But I can't get there without a car. Um, mm. So that's a that's another thing. If you don't have a car, you have a big. It's a challenge to get your food. It's a challenge. Yeah. I would imagine that that situation exists all over the United States. There are in many, a, in many places. There are a lot of food deserts, and food deserts just defined as, um, and I, I don't remember the mileage, but it's just a challenge for people to get good, healthy food. And we are on a path to change that. Stop having food deserts. People should be able to eat. Um, so that's one of our big things. Then we're, once we got the grocery store up, now we're looking to get more local produce into the grocery store, more nutrient dense produce. So right now, um, our most grocery stores actually get grow, get their produce. And you think about the Midwest, there's not really growing produce in the Midwest on a full-time basis. Midwest gets their groceries from California, Arizona, Florida, some mm -hmm. from Texas. And so when you pick food early before it's ripe and ready to be eaten, you pick it early so that you, by the time you get it to where it needs to be, it's ready to be eaten. But the dense, the nutrients are decreasing every minute after it's been picked. So by the time it gets to us in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Kansas City, Missouri, or um, Oklahoma City, you've lost a lot of the, the nutrition of the food, which when you're not having, when your body doesn't get the nutrition that it needs, it makes you eat. So we're, then we look at obesity and we're looking at people trying to satisfy this hunger where if they had good nutrition, they may not have that hunger. Yeah, there's a lot more to that. There's habits, there's all those other things. But we think if we can get good nutrient dense food into people, we will solve a lot of problems. So many. And uh, we could probably spend the rest of the interview talking <laughs> about this. I can tell you're passionate <laughs> about it. I'm super interested in it. So how are you... Um, 
are, what are you doing like with to 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 fill that gap to fill the stores if you will that you're yeah. that you're that you're bringing into these communities so one of the programs I'm working with, we have a program called Fresh RX, where we actually are working with diabetics and we're getting local produce from farmers to um, mm-hmm. give to diabetics in this program to, to improve their A1Cs or their diabetes. And we've, that's really working well. So now we figured, okay, this is working. How are we going to make sure we have produce regularly from yeah. these farmers? So we're into, now we're working with the farmers to have a regular source, got lots of education to farm. I'm working with a ton of people on this. I definitely do not know everything when it comes to this. Working with farmers to make sure we have a good crop rotation, working with farmers to make sure that they are doing regenerative things to the soil. If they're growing in the ground, we don't want to deplete the soil. We want that soil to be healthy because healthy soil gives you healthy food. And we talked about, you talked about the indoor controlled farm. So we're also using that technology to have more food locally. So indoor controlled farms, hydroponics, aquaponics, food is actually grown in the nutrient material, grows much faster. So you can get, you can get a turnover of crop in about six weeks. Um, It is technology. It is electricity. It's a lot, there's a lot of carbon footprint things that we don't like about it, that we're working to fix, but it, when we, when we, we're t- there's so many, it's such a big thing to tackle. So we're tackling, yeah. let's tackle the food part. Then we'll tackle the carbon footprint part. And this is, it's a, a huge project and there's a lot of, pe- lot, lot of people thinking about it and working on it. And I think we get, we get this thing going like we want to, and we're revolutionizing things. It's, it's I, I, huge to me. I can see that. I, I, I can hear it in your voice and it, it's fascinating to me. Why does, just a generic question, a loaded one probably is why does this matter to you so much? I can tell that it does. Yeah, it, it matters because in medicine, as a physician, we mm-hmm. learned how to treat people with medicine. We don't learn a lot about nutrition. We don't learn about the holistic part of treating somebody. When you go to your doctor, you become a part um, and that always bugged me about it. When I knew there were things that in, each individual could do to prevent <clears throat> prevent a problem and even treat a problem that didn't involve a pill. So part of my reason to not want to be in medicine was that mentality that we have in medicine. And it is, it's there. We, that's what we learn. Um, and they're not, and I'm not saying that people don't need medicine. Yes, you need medicine. I think you need medicine most of the time as a temporizing thing until you can fix the actual problem. Medicine treats a symptom. So if you back it all the way up to what you put in your mouth, if you put good things in your mouth, food wise, you will be healthier all the way around. I don't think there's anybody in the country in the world who would argue with that. I just, I, if we find that person, I would love to have that conversation that food is not the best medicine um, for everybody. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, what you put in your mouth definitely matters and can prevent a lot of the, you know, a lot of the disease. So yeah. thanks for sharing that. Uh, I'm glad we went there because it, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't sure on that, but um, I'm glad we went there. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you're passionate about it. I'm excited to see where this, where, where this definitely, where this goes. Yes. Um, we talked a little bit uh, before we got, before we hit record about um, you helping and empowering women and educating women. And we talked about the transfer of wealth. Uh, mm-hmm. If you could speak to that, uh, speak to the audience <laughs> on that a little bit, please. Sure. The reason I'm passionate about helping women is number one, I am one. And number two, 
is that I found myself and actually still find myself in some to some degree in a position of um, I work. I spend my hours going to work. And if I don't go to work, I don't have the money. Passive income, something I learned about reading Robert Kiyosaki's book and have learned so much more about over the years is how you can have an emergency and not have to go to work every day, not have to spend your hours working and be able to take care of an emergency. So everybody talks about going to work, saving for retirement, and then being able to retire. A whole lot of life happens between there. Your mom gets sick, your kids get sick, you get married, your husband, there's so many things happen that you need money for. So teaching women, because it seems like women are the main caregivers, we already, we know it's all over the place that the income gap between men and women. And some of that is because of these things. Women take time off from work to go ahead and take care of their mom, take care of their kids, take care of an illness and get then get back in and get back into the workforce and will never add up to the amount of money for a guy who did not do those things. This is not sexist. This is just to me how things have been up to this point. I don't feel like, I'm just going to say, I like, I like guys, guys do a I mean, it, guys are important to the world. I am not saying that at all. I want women to be able to take the time off. This actually would help your guy, help your partner, knowing that one of us can stay home and we still, we will not drop our income. So you have the passive income. I want education to learn, un, learn and understand passive income. This transfer of wealth, um, our baby boomer and elderly family parents have money. They, they have, they have built their wealth. They built their nest egg and the, they're going to pass on. And that's coming down to the next generations. That's a big, there's a lot of money being transferred there. Um, and we don't know what to do with it. It's all going to go away. So learning how to protect your nest egg, knowing how to make it, keep it and protect it. Those are the things that I'm very, very passionate about. I love it. And Passive income is again something that not many, not most of us are not ever taught that. Yeah, right. No, We're taught no. the first the first part of it. Get your no. go do your job, uh, or go to college, get a job, go into debt, you know, max out your 401k and yep. then pray that you can retire by, you know, whatever age, 65. Yes. And, you know, passive income is a way to um, get away from that, you know, get away from that mindset. And it's something that uh, you're passionate about. And, you know, the money is working for you while you're doing all of these other things, as you mentioned, as life happens to you or, or things in your life, whether it's, you know, children or, you know, your, 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 your family gets ill and you have to take care of them. Um, and it, it's a way to, to make sure that you're taken care of. I, I assume that you're not a believer in the 401k model. <laughs> I, you know what I, I have for, I have an IRA now. It was a 401k that I transferred. But for me, it was a savings vehicle. It wasn't the thing that was going to get me to retire. Like this is the way I can save money. And then now I use it. Savings, if you savings in a bank is not going to get you there. I know everybody, we talk about saving. That's one of the big things. Save your money, save your money, save your money. Money sitting does nothing really literally does nothing. You look at the interest rates in a bank and you are losing every day by your money sitting in a bank. It, inflation is far outpacing what banks are paying you in your interest. So 
your money's not working, it's being lazy, you're the one having to do the work for the money. That's not the way this goes. We want money out in the streets doing the work for you, bringing back friends so that you can do more. That's what passive income is, money doing the work. Yeah, 100%. I know we're going to direct the listeners um, to uh, a link to your website here soon, but what are maybe one or two things that you can do with said money instead of saving it, right? And and mm-hmm. losing, because that's essentially, and and uh, Robert Kiyosaki says savers are losers, not yeah. that they're you know losers. They're just, you're losing, you're losing money. money. You're losing out, right? Yeah. Yep. So what are, what are maybe a couple things that, that, uh, that people can do with their money to create that that passive in income. So another thing Robert Kiyosaki says is that if you own a house and you live in your house, you're selfish compared to a person who owns three houses or an apartment building and provides housing for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it that way, buying another house for somebody else to live in is, is a, the, a great step, first step to investing. Real estate, hard asset that not your home, another something that somebody else that you're providing housing for somebody else gives you so many benefits besides the income. And it's not a lot of money. You may get a hundred or two hundred dollars a month, but it's a hundred or two hundred dollars a month that you didn't have to go and spend your time for. Number one, over time that compounds the property or house increases in value, whether you just because it's there and you keep it up. And there's another thing called depreciation because a building actually by our IRS code says it it gets worth less over time. Okay, so that means that you can take that depreciation as part of your income. It gets a little bit complicated, but real estate, a single family house, it sounds like a ton of work and it is a ton of work. One house is a lot of work. But when you go and invest with somebody like me or invest with somebody like Brian, you get into multiple houses and you're not the one calling, getting called by the tenant to come fix the toilet or unclog the sink or whatever. We have systems in place for that to happen. And now your money's out working for you and you're doing what you enjoy. And some people enjoy their job. Go to work. But let your money be out doing something you don't necessarily want to do and bringing back friends for you to have for your for your future. Right. I love it. Don't save it for the rainy day that's not ever going to come or may not ever come. Well, right? the rainy day could come, but you don't have any money because you just had to, you, now it's not going to get it for you because it's it's not worth as much as you thought it was going to be worth. We all we can look at it now and see how our dollars are you have to spend more and more money for the same thing. That's mm-hmm. inflation. That that is inflation. So just just keep thinking about it you guys. It, it is really important to understand money. It is, and you have a lot of you have a lot of assets uh, to to teach people uh, to to teach people about money. Yeah. Um, yes, maybe name a few if you could uh, on yeah. your site, including a call with me. So mm-hmm. I have um, resources on my site: seven steps to building resilient wealth. Um, we have five steps to social uh, or what you should know for social impact investing. So those are my my biggest one. The one I want everybody to get is seven steps to building resilient wealth. It really walks you through the first part of doing that. And once you've gotten that, we can get on a call. We start talking about things. We're starting a mastermind so you can get with other people to talk through Money's hard for people to talk about, and we need a safe space to talk about it. And that's one of the things I want to provide is 
just to be able to get in there. Even people who have money sometimes don't want to talk about it. And Mm. we have to talk about it to be able to understand it and know that it's just a thing. It's another thing. And let's just, let's just make it another thing. Let's, Let's talk about it. Do you have an opinion? Because I agree with you on what you just said about money seems to be a hard thing to talk about, or you know whether you have a bunch or none. It's just it just doesn't seem like a, like a topic that's um, I'm I'm I'm, miss, I'm missing the word here. Just socially acceptable, right? Yes, yes. Like why do you think why do you think that is? I think it's for me. It's from my parents. They never talked mm-hmm. about money, and yeah. when you when you you talk about you start talking about money outside, everybody seems to kind of shy away. You know, nobody wants to tell anybody how much money they make. And I guess you're worried that somebody's going to try to take it. I don't know what that is. So it's a bit of a scarcity mentality. And maybe that's the whole thing is this people being afraid somebody's going to take what they have. There's plenty of money in the world. I mean, there's there's plenty and there's enough for everybody. And just because I'm not I'm not going to take Brian's money and he won't get some more. It's not going to happen. If we collaborate and share and we just make the pie that much bigger for, we make the money pie that much bigger. Let's put it that way. It doesn't get smaller and smaller and smaller. Right. Once you learn how to make it, I mean, even if somebody does take it away from you or like you, you lost the 19 houses, you know how to make, you know how to do it. Right. Let's get back in. No one can take the, the, the education and the experience away from you, but you have to get to that point. I think for for me, the the money piece is you know again it's part of my upbringing too. My my dad, my parents never talked about what they. That's none of your business, yeah. right? How yeah. much you make, and then I actually flipped the script and I started talking to my son about money. You know, he's yeah. ten years old. I started talking to him about it, and when I started following that path, like, hey, it's none of your business how much money I have. <laughs> so now I don't tell him, but you know, I I talk to him about money and how it can how how it can work for you because you know they're not teaching it at school, right? Yeah. No, they're not. No, no, there's nothing about money at school. It's we let's not we won't talk about the education. system. But I'm the same way with my girls. With my girls, they we talk about we talk about the hard things in life. That's another thing. My parents life was easy as far as I was concerned when I was little. Life's not easy. Hard things happen and you get up. Les Brown says, as long as you can look up, you can get up. So let's get, get up, get up, brush yourself off, learn the lesson and move forward. That's that's right. what I want my girls to understand is that hard things do happen. They definitely happen. You lose everything. You can lose everything and just got to know how to come back. You do. You do. It's a, it's a valuable lesson that uh, you went through that you can teach your, your daughters. And, you know, I would just, uh, I would say about the investment piece, you know, it's hard to, so we talked about the difficulty with with money, with talking about money, but then like finding those people. Yeah. that you can that you can really trust you know it's it, it's you give your money to a 401k like you you don't know who's think about that it. money you have People you don't, don't. Think it's about like it. automatic right yep. you don't yep. know what's happening to it versus if you had that big chunk of money in your 401k after you know maybe 10 or 15 years you wouldn't just hand it to anybody would you no, that's like I would that's say, what I say so. too. I would say so. You know, like you put it's like putting your money in a suitcase and giving it to the guy walking down the street and say, "Hey, take care of this for me." No, no, no. you and with the investing, what that's I think you're going there with investing. You want to know, you want to trust, you want to like the person you're giving your money to. You want yeah. to be able to call them up on the phone and with Brian and with me and and with syndicators, good syndicators, you have their phone number. 
syndicator is the person that you would give your money to who's going to invest it in a project, manage your money for you, and then send your money back to you with some friends. That person should be calling you or you should be able to call them and find out, hey, if something's not doesn't feel right, what's going on? And be able to explain it to you. Yeah. I never had that with my 401k manager. We, like I had no idea who that was. No. No, I, that's bring interesting. You bring that up. Cause I, I have a syndicator that I work with and I have his personal cell phone and he sent me a Christmas card. <laughs> so I mean, my, my 401k administrator, I, I didn't know, never, not only have the cell phone, I didn't know who it was and I never got a card. So, yeah. and there was a lot of money in there at one point. Yeah. So, um, I think it's uh, just important to the know, like, and trust, right. Yep. And that makes it easier to whether you're in you're partnering with someone on a syndication type situation or, you know, when you did your first real estate deal, the thing I heard was like you had somebody kind of holding your hand through it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Otherwise, yes. you may not. Yes. Maybe you wouldn't have done I, it. I, well, I probably wouldn't have pulled the trigger. I was really scared. It was scary. Yeah. And I, I, you have to rem- I have to remember that for other people. It's scary to put your money in that first deal. And somebody, you need somebody holding your hand. So that seven steps gets you walking through your whys and your risk tolerance and all those kinds of things. A phone call, a conversation with me gets you understanding even more. A mastermind gets you seeing there's more people in the world just like you. You're not the only person out there like that. All those things need to happen or can happen or might need to happen for you for you to be able to put your first dollar into an investment. And that's okay. Just take the steps. That's the hardest part, isn't it? I mean, yes. just just getting over that hump. I mean, for me, it was years before, uh, you know, after I read the Kiyosaki book, before yeah. I actually did a deal. And I was just too, I was too scared. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, talk about that fear. That fear is a thing that'll hold you back and hold you back for a long time. Just like you, we we decide, you decide, I'm going to walk through this. I'm scared and I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, Les Brown talks about, you know, you'll you're, take the leap and your wing and pray that your wings come out. And so far they have, they have, I've never hit the ground real, real hard. There's been a mattress down there or something to keep it from being too painful, <laughs> even though it hurts that that loss hurt. And um, um, it seems like the lessons we learn, the real good ones mm-hmm. hurt. They hurt. There is some pain involved. If you really think about it, even if it's a money lesson, uh, a, a relationship lesson, whatever lesson, those ones, those are the ones that tend to hurt the most. And you learn the most from them if you really reflect on them. I 100% agree. And those almost have to happen to you to become who you want to become, right? When you get behind your why and all that and all that good stuff. So uh, I I love it. I love where the the conversation is, is going. Do you still have fears now? Oh, heck yeah. Heck yes. All the time, all the time. I I quit my job in January. That was, and it took me, and my first date to quit my job was 2013. Then it was 2018. And then it was, yeah. Yeah. And then it was 2020. And then it was, no, I'm sorry. Then it was 2019. And then finally it was January 2020 that I finally, was it 2020? No. Now I can't even remember. 2021 was what I moved to Tulsa in 2021. So I've only the last two years seem like it's the same. Year, right? it, all so, it all went together. <laughs> yes. That's right. It was just this yeah. year. I moved to Tulsa this year. I haven't lived here quite a year. Okay. So yeah, so, no, it took a long time. It's 
fear never, you think you're going to, it'll go away. It, 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 every time you're about to do something new, the fear is there. When you're expanding your comfort zone, mm-hmm. which I recommend we do on a regular basis, it fear is there. I start feeling comfortable. I was like, okay, it's time to do something different. And just to keep growing, keep stretching. Some days I wonder what the heck am I thinking about? Just get comfortable, Felicia. (laughs) (laughs) Can't you coast? You're like, no, you're going to squeeze every bit out of life you can and just leave it all on the table. Yeah, that's great. I I appreciate you sharing that because I think that there's... um, there's a lot of there's a lot of maybe new investors or, or who have never invested before thinking that like this is the fear that goes away. Well, well, Brian's not scared. Felicia's not scared. Like she's uh, done it before, you know. And it's like it, there's a whole nother set of fears as you continue to progress uh, in real estate and like you said, or anything that you're doing, whatever yeah, it is, it's brand yeah. new, right? Yes. You got to get out of your comfort zone, and you know when you're feeling feeling that fear, you. I always just say you need to run towards it, right? Because yep. that, that's yep. telling you that's telling you something. That hundred percent, run, run, walk, tiptoe, whatever. Just keep moving towards it. Yeah. <laughs> Open the curtain, and you realize, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Keep going. The next one pops up. Keep going. Just it's just it is really one step in front of the other, and you don't know the end. We never know the end. No, nope. you can only do one step at a time. One step at a time. Don't try to chop the whole tree down day one. And, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You lose all your money. All right. Well, you could lose all your money. You're still alive. Right. Your kids are okay. Your house is still there. Money is, is a thing that can come back. It, it is. It comes back. So you lose it. It, it is a risk. When you invest your money, it's a risk. When you leave your money in a bank, it's a risk. When you drive your car, it's a risk. So we take them every day. It's just a matter of how do I fix, how do I mitigate my risks? How do I minimize them? And then go forward. Just that's all you can. That's that's what this life is to me. Minimizing your risks and walking forward. Beautiful. I love it. All right. So it's seven steps to building resilient wealth. That's the name of the, the um, that's what I'm, a gift. Yep. And you can get it by going to seven at, I'm sorry, seven steps at moneywithmission.com. Number seven steps at moneywithmission.com. You'll get that. You'll get a link to be able to book a call with me. I, I would love to talk to you again. I would love to be the safe space for you to talk about your money and what you want, your dreams. Sometimes we don't want to always do that to people that we know. So I'm mm-hmm. a person you don't know. I'll hold it for you and we'll walk forward. Amazing gift, and I hope the listeners take advantage of it uh, because there, there's a there, there's a lot more than just this just this episode. So everyone, take advantage of that. I will certainly we will leave that in the show notes. Before we wrap up here, Felicia, this has been tremendous. Is there anything that uh, you wanted to share that maybe I didn't get that maybe I didn't ask you or, or you wanted to share with the listeners before we wrap up? I think you got everything out of me, Brian. All the good stuff. See, <laughs> think about. It. All right. Well, yeah. We talked about the fear, and let's talk fear. You might know this acronym too: false evidence appearing real. So we are afraid of something that may not even be a thing. So just don't let fear keep you from doing what you want to do, what is in your heart to do. Just walk forward. That's a great way. That's a great way to end it. Perfect, Felicia. Thanks so much uh, for 
for sharing your knowledge uh, and your heart today. It's great stuff. So I appreciate you being on. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Everyone have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Better Way with Real Estate Podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you left us a rating and review so we can continue to help you and others navigate the many hurdles of the home buying and selling process. Visit bkwpropertysolutions.com to learn more. And remember, there is a better way with real estate.